Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Hello and welcome back to Climbing Sycamores. Just a quick announcement is that our podcast is officially separating from the Victory Podcast in one month. That is March 3rd. And you'll you'll still be able to find us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and the other big one that's escaping me right now iTunes or Amazon? something? Amazon? Oh. Amazon? Oh, maybe Amazon. I don't know. Look Spotify. for us wherever you find your podcast, um, and you'll you'll have to search Climbing Sycamores instead of Victory Podcast because they are now two separate things. Thank you for that important update. <laughs> We're branching out. Yeah. Yes. Just because of the flood of people following us. Ex- yes. <laughs> the, the deluge of fans. Yes. Thank you. So I have an I have an opening topic actually oh. that I thought. Of. Oh, oh, you look told us surprise. that you weren't going to have no, a topic. It's just, it's just it's just something that's been bothering me. Okay. Oh no, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be mundane. that I see that I see uh, very often in 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 fashion is girls wear just giant pants, giant pairs of jeans, right? But then they have like big holes cut in them. Right. Yes. And my thought is, is if you have a finite amount of fabric, why not just make one pair of pants that fits instead of making a large pair that's too big and then cut holes out? (laughs) Um, My youngest has a pair like that. They look ridiculous. <laughs> um, this it was a very popular style in the '90s to have very uh-huh. baggy clothing. I remember you, that where you were stepping on the Not bottoms of, your, right. but, of yeah. your clothes. Yep. Um, it was very and that 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 has has Jinkos. Re- yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that has recycled and come back. But then the huge holes, not yeah. like little rips and tears, but oh, I mean yeah. like a big old gap. It's like you're wearing shorts, except it has an extension on the bottom. It's the grunge, the grunge look. It's grungy. It's going to be cold. It's cold outside. I, I don't understand fashion. All I asked my wife this once, and she said, well, what other direction are you going to go? Either you, you know, like right now it's like skinny pants for the guys, baggy for the girls, yeah. and then soon it'll switch back. Yeah. They will have tight pants, and the guys uh-huh. will have baggy jeans. Like it's just, it's like a balloon that just keeps getting blown out <laughs> yeah. and, and, and deflated. This is the only direction guess, you can go. Yeah. Women are not supposed to be wearing skinny jeans anymore if you want to not look like you're 50. Right. Like that's, oh, a, that's thing. a thing. Oh, yes. Skinny jeans are so out. Um, I still, I mean, I don't care. Listen, I don't care. I really don't care. I still wear them. This but is I, a headache. <laughs> Tell me about this it. This is how they make money because they just change the rules every eight years. And if you don't uh, change like with 15 it, minutes, it I, feels then like it gets closer to 15 minutes. <laughs> then you then you, now you're behind and you look old and so you got to keep buying new stuff mm-hmm. or just hold on. Just wait. It'll but come back around. Segment, it's going to come back yeah, around within 45 minutes. It'll be back. To <laughs> That's right. Being hip. They're playing on our desire to remain youthful. Oh, That's my right. gosh. Mm-hmm. And it's working. Oh, sweatpants. <laughs> and I don't know who decides who decides when it, somebody in Hollywood. Does somebody wear it first? Fashion week. I don't really know much about it. The thing is with men, though, I feel like once you're a guy and you get like age 30, you're set for life. Like those pants that you have, the shirts, I mean, you're just wearing button downs or polos, tuck those in. You just got regular middle cut jeans, not too tight, not too loose. And you wear that out until you're 70 years old. I think men's fashion, though, changes a little bit too. But a lot of. But you don't care. Men that don't care as much, I think. 
You know, like once you become a dad, you stop caring. You stop giving. Oh, yeah. Anyone who cares about fashion is unmarried <laughs> or has not had children yet. I mean, Maybe. look around. Look but around. you don't seem to care about fashion. <laughs> and you have neither man. of those things. Yeah, you're, an old man. you're already oh, an old man. Well, I'm just anticipating. <laughs> That's good. I'm, I'm not here to waste my time, you know. All right. Enough on that, or do you want to keep going? <laughs> well, my rage is still there, but I think I've talked. I've I've said what I need to say. People at home can discuss. So, I think the hard part as a father is what you permit, mm-hmm. and then also like, you know, that looks great, honey. You know, you want them to know that they are wonderful <laughs> and beautiful people, but you might not agree with their fashion. So yeah, that's kind of yeah. the conundrum. Oh, I just thought of this. This is a really funny story. Um, in high school. My two, well, I, so I was maybe like eighth grade, but my two older sisters, oh man, I hope they don't hear this. <laughs> they, were in, they were, they were like on the tennis team and then like the tennis team, they would have like those like, um, uh, what are like tank the tank tops? Yeah. But like the whole side is like cut out, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Like it's just cut out. And so you could see the underwear, right? Yeah, yeah. My dad did not approve. And <laughs> one morning my dad came down with his pants buckled below his butt, just <laughs> The most out of character, like disturbing thing I've ever witnessed. I love it. So funny. That's so good. Hey, if you're gonna do that, I'm gonna. So funny. Oh, that's good. I love that. Oh, that's great. But was... honestly, those tank tops are functional because it's it's hot. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Right. And if oh, you've yeah. got they the kind sense. of the sides cut out a little bit, you know, yeah. get some air. I don't know. Hey, when you're when you're top dog, you make your house your rules, man. You get to you get to decide. You never know what you're gonna hear on this show. Never know. Yeah, never, never know, know what you're going to say either. <laughs> Clearly. Annie, I want to hear what you have to, what you're Thanks. thinking about. Yeah, so um, it sounds like for the Super Bowl, um, I read that kind of a mysterious donor or set of donors is contributing to Super Bowl ads this year in the He Gets Us campaign. And if you've seen those commercials, they are uh, Jesus-centric commercials that kind of try to relate Jesus to every walk of life and mm-hmm. every everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't, I don't think we know, we might know some of the donors. I don't know. We, we don't know exactly where the money's coming from, but it's not cheap. Right. A Super Bowl ad is not cheap. No, it's like a million dollars a second. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous. So somebody's funding this. And um, so I guess my question is, will this be helpful to 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 the kingdom and to bringing people to Jesus uh, or will people roll their eyes and scoff at it or you know what what and maybe it depends on the ad itself like what is this you know I think it's in the same vein as the chosen where the, they've done a pretty good job of making it they've done it's not it's not cheesy uh, and they're subtle he gets us. It's talking about. Um, it, it's not demanding a response. It's more. Have you even considered this? Have you considered that Jesus gets what it's like to be you in this world? And so I think what's what's great about it is, it isn't connected to some ministry. It isn't connected to you know political party yeah a political political party. You know, focus on the family or or any of these other big. Uh, big ministries or a yeah or a um, Billy Graham Foundation or so- something like that mm-hmm. where you're connecting and 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 you have a whole preconceived idea of what they're trying to do or even a church uh, and I think it'd be great 
for us to, if you, you know, to tell other Christians, like, be ready for this. And when it comes up, I think it would create a great conversation. Like, oh, what'd you think about that? Because it's so subtle. It's so, um, it's not really teaching a lot of different theology. It's not really asking for a response that you would do anything. It's just awareness, I think. And I, I think it's very smart. Um, and they're doing it in it. And that's kind of how The Chosen is also. They're doing that in a very professional way. And they're, not, and they're just telling the story of Jesus, uh, but using good acting, good, good mm-hmm. footage, telling a good story, uh, not really trying to lead somebody to take a certain point of view, just yeah. telling the story. I was thinking the same thing. Like if it's, it, ha- it's, it all depends on like how corny it is. Right. Um, right. Well, oh, we've talked plenty about like Christian movies and it's like, oh, Jesus comes in and saves the day. If you just believe in him, he will fix your problems, you know, <laughs> and that doesn't work because it's not true and people can sense that. And so if you have a commercial like that, where it's like actually like an ad for a church, or it's mm-hmm. like an ad for the Bible, almost like yeah. you want your life to get better. Read the Bible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like if people aren't people are gonna yeah rip that apart, of course. But and people still might, no matter what you put out there. Sure. People make associations like, oh, these silly Christians. But that's that's par for the course. I mean, that's gonna happen. So I don't think we should not do something because people are some people are gonna reject it or make fun of it. But. If you were going to do something, I think this is probably one of the best things you could do. Uh, he gets us. Yeah. What, a, what an interesting message that it's not you see, seek him or um, you need to get him. It's he gets us. And, I, yeah. and, I, and it's, I think it's inviting to, you know, hey, I never thought of it that way. And I think it could spark some conversation. What are you reading or what do well, you? Well, this, so this is the web. There's the website. He gets Uh-huh. And they have, it looks like little videos and whatnot um, about, about Jesus. Um, things like Jesus invited everyone to sit at his table. Jesus was no stranger to difficult dinner conversations. Um, four ways Jesus supported women's equality. Uh, Jesus had strained relationships too. Um, mm-hmm. Was Jesus' family perfect? You know, so it's kind of some of the issues that Mm-hmm. you know, we're facing that, mm-hmm. he, you know, people think, how could he possibly have understood this? Or, um, you know, so I do, I do like the idea of Jesus gets us, he's meeting us. Mm-hmm. And I hope that um, because it doesn't seem to be tied to anything that hopefully it will maybe break some stereotypes, maybe. Yeah, I think it's great. The other one I thought that was really well done, I don't know if the campaign's still going on, but I Am Second. Are you familiar with that one? No. So I Am Second was basically in a dark room, somebody would come in and sit down on like a white chair, white couch chair, and they would just tell their story. And it it was a lot of some people who had had a lot of success or had a lot of failure, um, the... Uh, the lead guitarist on Corn was on there, mm. and some of the others that would tell their story about, yeah, g- going through challenging times or divorce or cancer or drug use or things like that, and how they realize that Jesus is first in their life. And so the, the message was, "I am second. But it wasn't again in your face. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't connected to any necessary church body or 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 denomination or anything like that. So you couldn't assume a bunch of stuff. It was just people telling their testimony saying, you know, I figured out, I thought I was first in this world. I made life all about me and it didn't work out. And I figured out I'm second. I'm not first in in this world. 
And that was, I thought, another really inviting campaign to think, get people to think differently about, about stuff. Because I think we'd all agree, if you make yourself first, your life's not going to turn out because you're not first. So then who is first? And that, I thought that was a really engaging way to do it. And they're telling authentic stories. And yeah. I, I think this is really, this He Gets Us thing is very authentic too, um, because it seems like it is reflecting on problems mm-hmm. that have existed mm-hmm. from the dawn of time, <laughs> right. basically, you know, and um, that, you know, that's relevant. I mean, could you see yourself at a Super Bowl party you're watching that comes on, like how that could possibly spark a conversation? Like, you know, what's up with that, you know, Christian ad on, on the Super Bowl or what was that all about? And, you know, I think it could spark a, no. a normal casual... <laughs> No, but that's because I couldn't see myself at a Super Bowl party. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think, uh, yeah, again, I think it's, is it is it going to be not just cheesy, but is it going to be too on the nose? Is Jesus white? That's going to be a, that's going to be a killer. Like if, if, I don't know, is Jesus even featured in the thing? Or? Well, the one they have, they have had one. And actually I think I saw one aired during a football game this season um, where I think it was literally black and white and it was just words, right? Where mm-hmm. um, it was like, if you are, and then it and then it changed, the words like changed, like white or black or, you know, Christian or Muslim or what, you know, like whatever the, I don't know, they listed a ton of sure. categories. Sure. And then, it, so that was flipping. And then it said, you know, whatever you are, if you are this, mm-hmm. he gets us or something like that. Yeah, it I don't think it's, simple. it's no mostly imagery. pictures. Yeah, yeah, right? Like it was oh. just black and white words. I've seen ones where they're just black and white pictures oh, from okay. today, and then at the end it says he gets us. Okay, okay, that that's yeah, that makes me feel better. Because <laughs> anytime you depict Jesus, someone's gonna have a problem with it, you know. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. Yep, my good Norwegian Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think they're very smart in trying to you know just be subtle. Do little, not do too much, not try to say too much, not, you know, just, yeah. Have you ever had something? And that's the message of Hebrew. Hebrews, like, he was tempted in every way that we are. You know, mm-hmm. he's able to sympathize with us in our weakness because mm-hmm. we, he too shared in our weakness. So it's a very biblical message. Um, and that's that's just an amazing part of our Christian faith is that we believe the almighty, unknowable, eternal, unseeable, holy God became someone that you could shake hands with and uh yeah and he gets us so i think it's great and maybe honestly that's why the donors are remaining anonymous because yeah. they don't want they don't want any type of preconceived mm-hmm. anything yeah. yeah so there are more and more than you think christians who are out there in yeah in big business or or in hollywood that are trying to use their platform in a subtle way not to draw any attention themselves and not you know to really share the message that changed them um i think one of them <clears throat> who's the who's the big one who who uh produced uh law and order and oh mark yo mike no I, yeah, 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 no, no. I should know this because I love Law and Order. Um, and then Shark Tank, and he's a producer. Yeah, I had no idea. He also, um, oh, Dick Wolf. That's the guy I was thinking of. 
No. All right, move on. This is my this is my plague. I I can't remember. Names. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Anyway, so but there are more influential. Yeah, and, and they're and doing it in ways that they're not trying to draw any. Uh, you know, but in some time, you know, I almost. <laughs> It's tricky because that can at times be a little discouraging because you might feel a little alone or yeah. or feeling like, you know, we've got a bunch of loud um, minorities, minority parties or, or, or ideas that are really loud, even though they might not actually represent, you know, the majority mm-hmm. of the country. And so maybe it's it's really discouraging. So I I don't know. I mean, would it be bad for them to make themselves a little bit more public well, just to what say what happened to Tony Dungy? Yeah. Well, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I guess the the what I like when they're just trying to um, put you know it, it's very much like John the Baptist who says you know I must decrease, he must increase. I'm not going to use my faith to get a bigger platform for myself, but I want to get this message out and I want to use the opportunities and the gifts that I have. So yeah, I, I think sometimes it gets too connected with a person or too connected with, especially when you get to that size um, or a denomination, that's when people are skeptical. They start holes in it. Yeah. And if you fall, then you're that so much of your ministry and your message goes down too. So yeah, but I guess the point, I'm glad you brought this up. I would encourage people at the Super Bowl, I mean, if you're a Christian, uh, this would be an opportunity to pray about this. And if the conversation happens, you're with a bunch of people that maybe you wouldn't usually talk about your faith, and it comes up, and maybe there is an opportunity to just, you know, to ask more questions. Like, hey, what did you think about that? I don't know. Did, what Do you think that's a good thing? And, and just ask those questions and see how people respond. And I think that could really spark a longer conversation. I would say, oh man, I love that commercial. Who has questions? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, I think it's a big I'll deal. support from a distance. Yeah. <laughs> you but the ads will not just be running during the Super Bowl. Like I said, I've seen them oh, okay. in other, um, at least in, in, during a football game, which, yeah, I know you, but yeah. you've, you've said you've seen yeah. some, so I don't think they're, you know, solely going to be aired during gotcha. the Super Bowl. Gotcha. So you might see them and yeah, I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. So are we good with that one? I'm good. Okay. So I thought I would bring up the question, why read the Old Testament? Why read Leviticus? Why even talk about Leviticus? I don't. Such a good question. And... uh <laughs> Is there any value? Why, you know, why don't we just have a, a New Testament Bible that's, you know, 100, you know, 50 pages instead of this 900,000 page book, especially Leviticus. That's usually if somebody says like it's kind of the 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 joke where you you start your diet on January 1st, you start your Bible reading plan and they kind of end about the same time. You get to <laughs> Leviticus and you're ready to stop worrying about <laughs> keeping your your diet, and you probably stop reading the Bible. So I don't I know. What do you guys think? That's about where I fell off. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you guys think? Uh, I'm reading through the book of Jeremiah right now. Okay. And I, for whatever reason, I didn't start at the beginning. Yeah. I just opened and I just found a page and started going. And like the first ones I was reading was good because it was like history. It was like yeah. all the stuff that was happening. Yeah. And now it's just pages and pages of like prophecy. Yeah. And it's not 
like prophecy about Jesus. It's just like what's going to happen. This city's about to get destroyed. Yep. That city's about to get destroyed. Yep. And it's just pages of like just how terrible it's going to be, and you're like, okay, yeah, the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Jeremiah is the longest book in the Old Testament, so way to start you with that one. a good one. one. Isn't Psalms longer? Uh, not in length. I think Jeremiah is longer. Oh. Jeremiah, I think, what how many cha- has less chapters, but as far as if you like fifty-two chapters or right. something, and okay, right. she's a doozy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Any, what do you guys think? All the laws on, you know, skin disease, mildew, um, kosher laws on what you can eat and can't eat, sacrificial systems, how to set up the tabernacle. <laughs> I think that stuff's kind of interesting because um, just from the standpoint of like, where, how did we get to a certain, how do we get yes. here or like, Mm-hmm. You know, people will say like, oh, well, in the Bible, it says, oh, what was that TikTok we watched? Like the Bible says that you can't eat this or that or something. And mm-hmm. then you kind of got to go through and like there are a bunch of old laws. So I don't know. It's kind of like good to like track the history. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at a certain point you go, what does this have to do with Jesus? But okay. the, the laws were like, weren't they to separate God's people, like to right, was that the idea? Like they were supposed to abide by these laws, and that would kind of distinguish them as it, they're also just healthy, though. Right, right, and I even th- I think even going down to like the meats, you know, and the, the division yeah. of the foods, like I think that there was you know yeah. there's health benefits. I think in in some of that. Fun fact: when the when the Black Plague broke broke out in Europe, the Jews so the Jews were not well liked in Europe ever, but they lived they so they always lived by themselves, kind of in their segregated colonies, and they still followed all these old rules. And as a result, they didn't get sick, mm. and so everyone was dying. And they thought those Jews must have poisoned our water, mm. but actually, it's just because the Jews bathed. <laughs> it's the, following the the Old Testament laws. Yeah. Okay. First of all, my I remembered the person I was thinking of, Mark Burnett. He's the one oh. who. Per- He's the one who's the Christian behind so many, uh, you know, Law and Order and Shark Tank and all that. But he's oh, using okay, his, right. he's using his platform to further. He might be one of the ones behind. He gets us. Okay. You know, that might be. Anyways, so right now I'm I'm reading through Leviticus and I I, I make a comment our daily Bible reading every day and I've been doing videos on it and for me it is so important. It is so fascinating mm. because everything. It says in the New Testament that God treated them as children. And so everything he did in the Old Testament, all these laws were actually, there's a spiritual metaphor going on in every one of the laws. And so it's a metaphor that we might not understand today. But so when you guys start, when your eyes start to gloss over, I will stop. Or if you just hold up your hand, like, all right, you're boring the heck out of me. Now I'm done. (laughs) And he's already done. No, it was a joke, but yes. So... For example, skin disease. Like if you had skin disease or mildew, this is just supposed to be a symbol of how pervasive sin is. Like it, it, it's like skin disease. It just kind of crawls on top of you. It like gets into everything. Sin is everywhere. It just gets into our lives and you can't get it out. And so this mildew and, and, and all this stuff that can get into our homes was a symbol of how pervasive sin is. Uh, and so they had these laws of clean and unclean. It didn't make you... 
it didn't say you're sinful or not sinful if you had mildew in your house. It was clean or unclean as a as a symbol of how pervasive sin can be. The other things were like, you know, these ones always make the kids snicker when you read. Like it's like the bodily fluids one, you know, like <laughs> nocturnal emissions and uh, and menstrual cycle stuff. And yeah, all right. I'm giggling. <laughs> so, um. All of that is a symbol of life leaving the body. These are sources of life, and God is the author of life, and life is leaving the body symbolically. And so that made you unclean because God is the God who brings life and gives life and makes life bountiful. Um, then the eating laws, the, the the food laws, you know, maybe there is something to do with health, or or some people have said maybe it's a, because uh, the pagan religions ate pork. But for the most part, I think they all apply to this. God was trying to teach them that he had an order to the world. And sin is disorder and chaos. Sin is when we take the order that God has created things and we disorder it and we switch it around and we change it around. And so in Genesis, the way it's set up in, in Genesis chapter one, everything has a day and everything fits in a clear day. So God created light and darkness, and then he created sky and, uh, sky and the waters on day two, and then day three created dry land and vegetations. And he filled the, the sky with the sun, moon, stars on day four. On day five, he filled the, the sky and the water with fish and birds. And then day six, he filled the dry land with land animals. And everything seems to fit into those clear categories, the order. But bats, is what's a bat? I mean, is that a is that a land animal? It's is that a bird? Animal, you know, yeah. it's a, and so you can't eat bats. So you, and not that bats are sinful either, but they don't fit into the clear order of all the other animals. And so, God was saying, you know, there's an order. There's a male. There's female. There's animal. You know, like there's an order to creation and the order to the world. And it seems like these animals or these different things have kind of got out of order in a way and and creation is out of order and so it's it's supposed to teach how when we live according to the order that God has created things not that bats are sinful or anything like that but just the idea of order in general uh, we flourish um things are supposed to fit into a clear box like you're not supposed to uh, sow two types of seed in the same field uh no, it's not against cross pollination or anything like that. But it, but in that in that one spot, just again, it's about order. It doesn't make it sinful necessarily, but it's supposed to teach them something. So that's so many of the different laws are supposed to be teaching spiritual truths through things that might seem bizarre to us, but to them. And then it teaches something about God. You can't just waltz into God's presence. That whole tabernacle, the whole tabernacle, is supposed to represent Eden. That's why inside the tabernacle there were these cherubims that were woven into the, the, the curtains. The, the candelabra was supposed to look like the tree of life. So when you walked into the tabernacle, you were like walking back into Eden. And then all the ways, all the things that had to happen for you to walk back into Eden was the wash basin, like your baptism, having a sacrifice, like Jesus being our sacrifice, and then you could get back into Eden again. And so it, it, it goes on and on, and maybe we could... It, you know, maybe we'd, we'd ask God, like, do you, do you need to go into such detail in Leviticus? But I think if you have all of that, and when Jesus shows up on scene, like, he makes way more sense when, when you have that kind of background about how pervasive sin is, 
how God created things with order, how so much of sin in our world is just chaos and disorder, disrupting the order of God's world. So I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm kind of relieved I didn't have to live through that. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah. it does sound hard. Yeah. So I'm kinda I'm kinda happy I'm in I'm in the New that Testament really side hard. of things. <laughs> you know? But yeah. Well, so the book of Hebrews then says, Okay, we are in the New Testament, but don't don't use your freedom to just hang back. Like, look at the privilege we have to go mm. into God's presence and, mm-hmm. and take advantage of that with uh, bold prayers mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Are you going to lower the shade? It's starting to radiate heat in here. Yeah. Thank you. You're kind of a vampire, aren't you, Matt? Yeah. He's pretty okay. pale. <laughs> so, I... It's one of my passions. I, I do a, a YouTube video every day for every every day for the, reading through the whole Bible, and I try to make a comment in our daily Bible reading. And I want people, whether you read every verse in Leviticus or Numbers or some of these challenging books in the Old Testament, I hope you see that there is a purpose for it so that we would have a, a clear picture of Jesus. Because we only have three years of Jesus' life in the New Testament, and there's not a ton of explanation. So much of the picture of who Jesus is, we get from the Old Testament, from, mm. from Isaiah, who, who says he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, that there was nothing about him in his physical appearance that would draw us to him, no beauty or majesty. And so, so much of the profile of Jesus comes before beforehand in, in, in this whole system. So that's just a, a little plug for that. And if you are kind of, starting to read the Bible or starting to get interested in Christianity and you get stuck there, it's okay to jump to the New Testament, but also, you know, let us, that's my job, let me help you walk through some of those challenging sections uh, if you have questions. Yeah, when you brought, when you uh, mentioned this topic a couple days ago, I kind of went on YouTube and was, the Bible Project, I mean, I really like that. It really makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's interesting, I mean, the way that they, Mm-hmm. the the drawings and like yeah. you know, how, it, how they lay it out um it's easy to digest yeah. it makes sense yes that's so really big. i think it's a good starter mm-hmm. you know for for someone i think people forget that this is actually a very ancient book like when you're opening this up it's 3500 years old plus what Moses is writing down, and it's in a whole nother culture. Like we have a hard enough time right now. We're you know following what's going on in another culture, or you go travel to another country. Like there's so many things that seem bizarre to us right now, thirty five hundred years ago. So don't be surprised that you don't grasp something right away. For me, it's a miracle that anything is intelligible in the Bible. Just like that, it's that far away and that ancient. And, and through translation, all those kinds of things. So Well, and one of the thi- other things I had considered talking about at some point, I was kind of talking to Matt about it, was um, there's so much, it seems like there's just so much like depth, mm-hmm. you know, that when when we think about what what is the average person maybe who was not raised in a Christian household or does not have yeah. a Christian upbringing or background, what are the things that like everybody kind of knows from the Bible? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. stories, like, okay, they might know about Adam and Eve or the snake or the forbidden fruit, right? Sure. Because we see those images and sure. various things. They might know about the flood. They might know about, you know, Jesus's birth. That's what yeah. we do Christmas. And so I feel like there's a lot of like, there's like a, a layer of 
kind of mainstream ideas and stories from the Bible that people know. But if you take the opportunity to really dig and really understand like the nuances of these things, like it's pretty wild. It's amazing. You know, but people don't necessarily take the time to really dig. But man, it's pretty remarkable. It we are I I think we are in a post-Christian society in the sense of if you were born, you know, maybe baby boomers or maybe before um, my grandparents' generation, they had a pretty detailed understanding of the Bible, at least the Bible stories and the sequence of things, and then my parents a little bit more. uh, But for the most part, my generation and after that, and, and now when I talk to kids, like, they don't have any of those stories. Maybe Adam and Eve, but no mm. Moses. Maybe David and Goliath, not really. Uh, m- maybe a little bit about Jesus. So there's so much confusion uh, t- as to where you even start. Uh, you're right, though, that if you when you decide, I want to be a Christian or I want to learn, like it is a whole education. It, it can take you the rest of your life to get anywhere. But yeah, there are some basic things to know that uh, God created the world good, uh, the chaos and disorder came from a fallen angel and from us and from us wanting to be our own gods, wanting to be first. God came into the world to solve that problem in Jesus Christ. He rose again and he's coming back again. And now's the chance to become a whole new person in Jesus Christ and to start living under him and his rule and his kingdom, which is to love other people above yourself. So that's the basics. But yeah, there's a whole a whole thing beyond, beyond that. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that's tough, and we mentioned this last week too, is that um, for the the children of Israel, and they're waiting, and they're waiting for hundreds of years for this Messiah, and we get this description of their life, and a lot of times they were captured, a lot of times they were under siege, um, or they had kings that were just leading them astray. Like it, the whole Old Testament is just problem after problem, and it's these people waiting for the Savior. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have our problems today are kind of hard to match up with those problems. Hmm. Like I, I don't know. I feel like we've got issues too, obviously, but it seems hard to relate to the people in the. You don't Old think Testament. we have corrupt leaders or? <laughs> well, they certainly, they, if we do, they don't impact my life. Okay. You know, and I don't feel like I ever am being besieged by a, some foreign sure. power. Um, and I'm not fighting things like starvation or drought or famine. Sure. I just go to like pick and save or Aldi or something. Like yeah. it, it's, it's a little harder to relate to, sure. I feel like, the children of Israel. Sure. Yeah, I think that as far as uh, being... It is interesting that we, the reason we, I believe the reason we have so much peace and stability in society is because we're living, living off of a Christian worldview mm-hmm. that has established some level of peace and idea yeah. of, of human dignity based on uh, humans are made in the image of God. And so, so much of the things that we enjoy as peace in society and, and general uh, justice or just marriage, yeah, family, all, marriage and family. Those are yeah. all Christian ideals. Um, but what I, I do think, you know, some of the stories are told in such a simple way on purpose so that we can all relate to them. Sure. I mean, just the Adam and Eve story. You have like barely any details, so that we could. I mean, 
who who can't relate to a story of being told you can't have something, but thinking, you know, this thing that you can't have actually is going to make your life better. And God or whoever kind of authoritarian figure is over you telling you can't have this. And you think maybe they're holding out on you. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems pretty right. relatable. But I, I, I think that's, that's why pastors still have a job. Our job is to take these ancient stories <laughs> yeah. and these fears. And, but they're also, I mean, I don't know, we're, we as a congregation have seen injustices uh, in the world and in, in the lives of people. Uh, and so many of the Psalms and, and, and the prophets are lamenting that there is no justice, that there are evil people who seem to be getting away with things. Um, and so I think it, it, it does take a little time to relate, uh, but if you can lay the context there and then match it up with somehow how that context matches up with today, yeah. but it does take a little while. It's, it's not as maybe immediate as maybe a modern-day fiction novel they can make it so clear like yeah. you relate immediately to what's going on yeah that's what he gets us is for there you go he gets us there you go bringing exactly. it back around Bring it back around. so yeah it does take time it does take time but that's that's what i want to do i want to teach people yeah it is weird let's just uh, know that it's weird and yet it wasn't pointless god yeah. was teaching them through these seemingly strange practices some very I just feel like a school teacher. Mm-hmm. He's being like a school teacher who's trying to teach these concepts. And how are you going to teach concepts to, you know, a non-literate community? It's going to be through all their whole day-to-day life was all absorbed in sin and forgiveness and God's love and his presence through all of these practices. Uh, where now it's more immediate just to read it is kind of how we 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 understand. But we still have practices, you know, the Lord's Supper and baptism and 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 some of these practices that teach us visually uh, these deep spiritual truths, but for them it was their whole way of life. That was like all they did. Is that right? I mean, like that was, was the that priest, like all they did. I mean, the priest definitely. The the priest that was their whole life was every morning they would light a morning sacrifice. The whole community around them would see the morning sacrifice go up, and while they, while they're out in the fields, uh, you know, um, they would they would remember that their that they are to be totally devoted to God in the morning, and then in the evening there'd be another sacrifice. So, not the common people. I don't think they would. All they they but just they had, saw it and they rallied around it. Right? They like, rallied around it. Yeah, they saw it. And then the other practice that would have grounded them was the Sabbath. They would realize that once a week they didn't have to work because God's always at work and God's the one who provides. And then three times a year they all had to assemble back in Jerusalem. And this is later when they had the temple. But even in the days of the tabernacle, three times a year they had to assemble that for the Passover, uh, for the f- Feast of Weeks, the Pentecost, and then uh, Feast of Tabernacles, which all have some really cool New Testament application. But yeah, so they they really only had to show up in Jerusalem for three three times a year. So this wasn't only the only thing they did, but it was a way of life in the sense of they were always thinking about God. And always thinking about in spiritual terms, even with their day-to-day life. Uh, but it wasn't only the priests were consumed with keeping all of the the ceremonies going all the time. And you had a whole tribe of thousands of priests in this little. So they would take turns. They weren't, you know, you you might only go in the tabernacle once in your whole lifetime as a priest. 
So it wasn't the only thing they did. But when we're reading it, it just seems like so much. So like, oh man, how could they do anything else? Well, they had a thousand priests and one would do one one thing. So mm. yeah, and they would go and take care of their farm, basically, most of them. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I hope that, you know, that I can devote my life to teaching people how to apply these bizarre ancient stories and these str- this strange Bible to your everyday, your everyday life. Yeah. And, and another thing, that's why I'm so big on, if you can have some spiritual practice, if that's daily prayer or silence or solitude or, or some kind of practice to have a similar rhythm where you're thinking about God, because if we don't have some kind of spiritual practices of attending worship or something, we'll think life is all about us. We, we can go through a whole day without even thinking about God and or even thinking about where our food comes from, where our life and things come from. And so you need some kind of spiritual practices. So that's all I have to say about that. Okay. You're good, Matt? You got nothing else? Well, real quick, if you guys like what you're hearing, please make sure to share because, uh, I don't know, I think this is helpful Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. Okay. And just a reminder, March 3rd, we're going to separate from the Victory Podcast, so you'll have to type in Climbing Sycamores on whatever the site is that you are listening to us. And we'll put a page, a landing page, on our website also so that they can oh, find a yeah, link sure. to that. We'll do yeah. that too. All right. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.